Broadcasting live from the Aria Resorts in Las Vegas for the DBA International Conference, it's Capital Club Radio. Now here's your host, Michael Flock. Good afternoon. Thank you for listening to Capital Club Radio here in Las Vegas. We are very honored and delighted today to have with us as a guest, uh, Guy O'Brien. Guy is the founder and CEO of Bullbridge Capital, brokerage business in the subprime auto world. Uh, prior to this, Guy was the kind of the face of Innovate Auto Finance uh, as VP of Sales and Marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, under his leadership there, he implemented strategies to increase market share and to contemporize the brand of Innovate Auto Finance, making Innovate one of the top recognized brands today in the subprime auto finance portfolio acquisition market. Correct. So, Guy, thanks for uh, coming all the way to Las Vegas and participating in our show today here. How did you get into the subprime market? Why is this your, your passion today? You know, I've been in the subprime market for the past five, six years. And you know, the opportunity in subprime as it relates to uh, really just the segment of, of credit continuing with the depth and breadth of the credit uh, dynamic out there. Uh, there's just a tremendous amount of opportunity, a tremendous amount of volume, and and for investors, just a tremendous amount of yield uh, to, to participate if you're in acquisitions or mm-hmm. if you're an indirect model. Just a lot of scale. Mm-hmm. So it's it's yield, it's uh, it's I guess financial returns. Sure. Um, but you're in sales and marketing, so why why would that get you excited? Aren't you more interested in the revenue growth, the mm-hmm. market share, or is it all of the above? Or? All of the above. You know, it's interesting how I came to to innovate. Uh, in 2011, I joined Innovate to be to be their face to do just that to grow to grow their brand. Had a tremendous pedigree and and uh, tremendous executives that started Innovate. The majority of their background was the founders and some of the key personnel to launch AmeriCredit, which we all know too well. So within that within that space, in those those heavy resumes, they were looking for somebody that had uh, an ability to create a brand, an ability to to penetrate the market in a space inherently where uh, subprime from indirect model was 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 very germane to their resumes very very consistent with their backgrounds mm-hmm. and so my background as it relates to marketing branding sales training sales consulting although i you know I- i'm proud to say i wasn't exactly from the space mm-hmm. but there is so many consistent threads when you're talking about brand initiatives and and brand growth and getting out there and finding out just how big was the market just mm-hmm. how much opportunity was out there as specifically from a from a bulk purchasing from a portfolio, taking a look at the landscape. So there was just a, a really great opportunity for me to to sink my teeth in candidly on a personal level. My wife and I just had our, our, our first son, mm-hmm. and uh, I had been traveling prior to that for the last 10 years, about 40 weeks a year mm-hmm. uh, as a speaker and as a sales trainer and as a consultant. And so with that, with my background in that, there was uh, a very consistent thread at the end of the day uh, with, with respect to, and I, I certainly took it very serious with, with the gentleman that I sat across the table and the founders of innovate because of their background to make sure I did a good job. Mm -hmm. But, uh, when we started out in acquisitions, uh, they, they were vetting that out in terms of, again, how big was the opportunity? So we looked at every opportunity and tried every, you know, every element that you could in a, in a sales and marketing engine as it relates to grassroots, 
uh, hitting the streets, phone call campaigns, and identifying what's the best way to evolve the brand and uh, and get an opportunity uh, to see a lot of paper. You know, in that space, what's so interesting and what's so key is you have to take a look at a lot of opportunity to very make the very best decisions. And your decisions are only predicated based upon mm-hmm. how much depth and breadth you have uh, in terms of what you sourced in your portfolio looks to say, what do we have on the table? And certainly, I know I've had you know very many robust conversations over the years uh, within my peer group uh, talking about how do you do that and do that right? How do you price and, and get the, the, the appropriate discount to effectively make the yields that you've committed to your investors, make the yields you committed to your board, and grow your business and scale? Mm-hmm. So. But Guy, how did you build a brand like Innovate in a market that is so huge mm-hmm. and so populated yep. by so many companies? Yep. I would think it would be you know, easier said than done. How, how did you do it? And how did Daunting. you, how yeah. did you measure, how <laughs> do you sure. measure the growth and depth and impact of the brand? How did you For do that? For sure. You know, one of the first things that you have to do is, is taking a look at where the concentration uh, in any business, but we'll keep it specific to, to bulk person purchasing that. Where was the concentration of the amount of marketing and sales activities? Where were they? Were they, where, what was the, were they hitting the streets? Were they literally walking on to, to, to auto dealers' uh, lots? Was it through phone campaigns? What model were they using? And was it through uh, you know, a tremendous amount of inside sales lead generation? Or was it through, uh, was it through primarily C-level executive conversations? And, and to answer your question, you have to do the basic grassroots guerrilla marketing. You have mm-hmm. to you have to get out there, and especially with that brand when we launched it, uh, Innovate was not a known brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but what, what's guerrilla marketing? Guerrilla marketing yeah. is just basically sweat equity, getting okay. out there and 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 pressing flesh and and walking onto lots, a- asking for the business and asking for the opportunities. And you know, taking a look at walking through, uh, talking to auto dealers, and the very, the very same thing we do today in Bullbridge. Uh, we, we understanding really what are the pain points and what are mm-hmm. the objectives specifically with buy here, pay here dealers, buy here, pay here dealers that have a related finance company mm-hmm. and that want to build a portfolio. And then you take a look at that on a scale. This is just on a larger scale. When you go from buy here, pay here or to an indirect finance company that's purchasing paper mm-hmm. uh, through point of sale and above beyond that. You know, some of the obviously the, the largest indirect companies, Santander and Cap One, things of that nature. Effectively, there is a consistent thread in their objective, which is how do you buy and how do you get in front of and acquire the very best consumers from mm-hmm. a credit quality uh, and from a structure? What's the appropriate collateral structure and what's the appropriate deal structure? And then when you take a look at that to answer your earliest question about what what do you do? to launch that brand. Well, what we had to do very uniquely was what I call going into thin air. Effectively, we had two things. We had a balance sheet and we had a servicing platform. And because of the balance sheet, there's an opportunity to deploy capital uh, in a way that that makes sense. Well, taking a look at that, who needs capital? Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking at indirect finance companies, certainly when you talked about a populated space, when you talk about uh, a competitive space, that competition can be defined as buy here, pay here dealers. That can be defined as small to medium size uh, uh, regional or national finance companies that are originating subprime auto loans indirect. And taking a look at, well, they have the same pain points, which is this. Either A, 
they're capital constraint or they're servicing platform constraint. Either A, they have the ability to originate more uh, if they had the capital to do so, or they can't originate more because they didn't have a servicing capacity to meet those needs. So what we did was just get out there and identify finance companies was, was an element, what I call thin air, is to get out in front of finance companies and buy paper that was not aged, buy paper as it relates to their ability Effectively, my, my, my objective there was to effectively outsource the sales channel. If I can get in front of uh, uh, indirect finance companies that have, a, that have the ability to originate loans but don't have the capital to do so, well, we had that. So what we would do is use effectively and outsource their brand to, to originate those loans and effectively buy them behind the scenes, very much like is done in the mortgage bit space, very much as like is done in any uh, forward flow or flow agreement uh, space. And so that's what we did in, in that respect. You'd ask me, how do you distinguish yourself amongst the competitors? There wasn't a lot of folks that was going into, uh, that, that, that vertical or that segment of business with respect to finance companies or a larger or, or, or a little larger capitalized, uh, uh originators, um, can, traditionally by bulk acquisition companies, uh, work with tr- a very grassroots, a very traditional buy here, pay here structure where mm-hmm. uh, the portfolio age, the portfolio collateral, and the portfolio consumer uh, underlying credit is pretty consistent. And with the background of AmeriCredit, I knew there was a sophistication, a desire to get into a much more sophisticated business model, uh-huh. sophistication from the uh, underlying underwriting okay to underwrite the deals to have to have the ability to to like look at look at deals that have been already uh vetted out make certain that the deals were contract compliant and underwrote right so you said though correct me if i misunderstood i think you said that uh there wasn't that much competition with innovate in the model that you had Mm -hmm. can you elaborate on that because you know from an outsider's perspective sure buy here pay here is so darn competitive yeah so 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 dig deeper so, in that so for why, sure so let's, did let's you find a niche up. then did you create a niche uh, you know with in this competitive for sure market and how how did, exactly did you do that for sure so let's define that so buy here pay here is yeah absolutely competitive that's a it's a very large it's segment ruthless. of business it's, it's a brutal <laughs> yeah it is, you know, and, and, and no two dealers are the same. No philosophical uh, business model from dealer to dealer is the same from a commercial standpoint or to how the paper is actually originated under what terms. So, so let me just say this. What I mean by distinguished is uh, there is certainly a model. Mm-hmm. That you, when, I would, when I think of the models, I think of a CAC-type model where it's a hybrid-type model. CAC, that's CAC credit, acceptance. credit acceptance. Great business model as it relates to how their advances and uh-huh. how they structure their deals. And then when you get into a traditional bulk purchasing, there is just a, a heavy amount of different elements on how they value a portfolio. And what I'm saying there is is not so much in the competition. There is heavy competition in looking at buy here, pay here portfolios mm-hmm. one after the other. Mm-hmm. But where there wasn't a lot of competition, taking a look at portfolios was in the indirect finance originator okay. space. Okay. And taking a look and getting in specifically in front of those finance companies that had a desire to originate. Uh, and again, we're either confined by capital or confined by right. their servicing platform. Right. Okay. Now, again, and you said your focus as VP, you know, of sales and marketing was building the brand. Mm -hmm. So what did building the brand have anything to do then with your success in this space, Mm -hmm. in this 
kind of this somewhat of a niche, I guess. Yeah. And the indirect. It is. I think the best way to well, describe that, even as large, that? is very, the space is very boutique in nature. It's okay. very niche. It's just, it okay. is, even though the numbers are large, but the buyers are, are there is, there's certainly a, a depth and breadth, but the buyers are, are, are very boutique in nature. So how we built the brand was to, in a word, I said, if we can be influencers, if we can be educators in the space right. uh, with respect to of educating the originators of the deal of what makes a good deal, because the overall question that buy here, pay here dealers or anybody that sells receivables have mm-hmm. is this. What do you look at when you mm-hmm. value, when you make a valuation of a portfolio? Mm-hmm. What does a buyer inherently look at? Mm-hmm. And so uh, what we we wanted to do is answer that clarion call with an education platform so we participated we work with we work within the the, the trade shows uh, across the country uh, with all with all the NIADA uh, NABD uh, work with uh, Leadem, work with the, the state associations and did our very best to, just to to get out there and and host uh, educational platforms talking about just that how how, do, how can you originate a deal that a buyer wants to buy what does that look like what what does a buyer look for commercially what does a buyer so you were teaching Mm -hmm. mentoring in a way for sure getting out there on a one-by-one basis and you know when you know let me stop you for a second this this is interesting because you said your background one of your passions is is training yes and development yes and teaching yes and so you kind of brought that i did to your strategy of building a brand i did with innovate through these uh educational platforms for sure we love connecting the dots here on Capital yeah, Club Radio, and I think sure. we're, we're now kind of digging into yes, the, the personality of the leader, uh, who is Guy O'Brien. Right. And it's exciting to see how these things are For coming sure. together. You know, I think with without that, you know, your earliest question, it is a daunting task to get into any space, but specifically the subprime space, as competitive as it is, to be relevant and to be an industry leader. And uh, over the past five years, uh, in taking a look at we, you know, I purchased just probably over three hundred million dollars on behalf of Innovate and being and being involved in those deals. I got to tell you, to buy that much, you got to look at a lot of paper. You mm-hmm. know, I, I probably mm-hmm. sourced on average between sixty and seventy million dollars a month to make the very best decision mm-hmm. that we and could. How many deals did you have to reject to get to that? <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, that's a very good question. Uh, that's a hard thing to do is reject and say, let me see, let me see, let me give me the opportunity to take guy. a look for sure. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Uh, we like know. to say yes. Yeah, we like to say yes. But, you know, when you're taking a look at, uh, it's interesting, in bulk purchasing, when you deploy the capital, you're already at a net negative uh, in your in your deployment of capital. So you don't know if you bought the very best answer, you bought a piece of gold, or you're pregnant with an alien. You just don't know. You know? <laughs> That's a new one. So, with, so okay. with that said, you want to uh-huh. make certain that uh, from a commercial standpoint, and that that's what I think, you know, uh, to answer your question, how we distinguish process, operation, we wanted to make certain that, and that's what I do now at Bull Bridge, is connecting the buyers and the sellers above and beyond price and purchasing. There's so much more. There's so much more. You know, I believe you're known for the phrase, is there, it's, you know, it, 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 it's so much more than a transaction. And, and that, that is so true. That is so true. When you take a look at, uh, when you take a look at 
beyond the funding, that's mm -hmm. when the work begins. Mm -hmm. So what I really focused on in that education format was, mm -hmm. is, is this portfolio, mm -hmm. is it transferable? Can mm -hmm. you transition it into another servicing platform? Mm -hmm. And really spending time, really working from understanding a dealer's inventory plan or 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 finance company's origination platform. But so you're looking beyond the deal. Beyond the, the deal. First one. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Take a look at what's their inventory plan to what's their mm -hmm. what's their remarketing plan. Mm -hmm. Everything in between to understand is it collectible? Because I always believe any buyer, and now representing many buyers, if 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 a buyer can't collect it, well then I consider it uncollectible. There has to be consistency in those in those disciplines. Right. You yeah. make it sound so easy. <laughs> and so much fun. But Guy, what were some of the the pitfalls and sure. challenges that you found along the this journey for to, to building sure. Innovate? What were they and how did you cope with them? There was certainly a lot of late nights and a lot of hitting your head on the table, right? There, no, no, no success uh, of anything comes up. Was that because that. the deals you were looking at, didn't you didn't win them at you the know, right price or... Was it building relationships or was competent? What was it? All, all of the above. But I, what I would say is that you hope that common sense prevails. Mm -hmm. And in taking a look at the deal structure based upon whether it was the seller's objective and understanding truly what his asset is, what his portfolio is worth, and then taking a look on the buy side of really what the risks were worth. And I will tell you today, there is still a delta. There's mm -hmm. a tremendous misunderstanding and misalignment as it relates to what uh, what a buyer is, was, as I said earlier, looking for and what a seller is saying, what do I have here? Typically, a buyer's market price of what he determines his assets or his receivables is worth is based upon a previous sale mm -hmm. or perhaps a peer or a friend that sold a portfolio right. at any given point. Right. And, and so really understanding of why your portfolio valuation is what it is. And really, in any deal structure, there's three tentpoles. There is, again, there's the credit, Mm -hmm. There's the collateral and there's the deal structure mm -hmm. and, and up and down the scale. When you take a look at, when you take a look at that, 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 that all starts. And what's interesting about the market, when you talk about trying times, well, that, that starts when you're talking about being a buyer, that all starts within the big boys when the, as, as, as right now, and it has been over the last number of years, uh, the, the amount of originations and the amount of, uh, capital that is flowing into the markets to originate uh, indirect loans, uh, whether it be through the securitization market and pressed down. That compression, as you talk about the big boys uh, such as Santander and Cap One and TD Ameritrade and Westlake, good, great operations. But as they go deeper and broader in credit criteria, uh, and and uh, what that does to the second and third tier originators is now they're 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 compressed. Mm -hmm. So they're mm -hmm. compressed from a standpoint of what credit are they getting now and at what discounts can they get the paper? And right. so based upon what their business model is, there is a number of ways to do this. Some people originate to hold, some people originate to, to sell and hold, and some people originate just to sell for mm -hmm. that margin. Mm -hmm. So within that, you got to make certain you understand what the origination motive is. If it is purely to sell, that's fine. But you have to, from that standpoint, the deal, the portfolio price after you purchase it, and when you talk about adversity, is getting the sellers to understand through liquidations what their portfolio is actually worth. Mm -hmm. What is it actually worth? And when you when you purchased five hundred, a million, two, three, ten million dollars, you, you obviously you you start knowing exactly what that portfolio is worth from a pricing so standpoint. So now in your new company, Bullbridge, sure. do you? then have to teach some of these sellers and how to do it and where the value is for where sure. it isn't. For sure. And okay. For sure. You know, our, our focus and, you know, I've had three conversations just today 
on the phone with with uh, two dealers and a finance company to truly understand what they have uh, as a pool of loans. And you're you're always talking about the dynamics of, of all the loan stratifications as mm-hmm. it relates to the underlying credit, the loan stratifications to the collateral, the mileage, the term, the APR, the aging of the portfolio, and taking a look at these radio buttons. And the thing about it is, is to keep the biggest the biggest uh, challenge is to keep your portfolio either a consistent mm-hmm. in terms of a consistent thread so you have a consistent takeout or certainly be open to tiers of pricing as that portfolio is taken out okay. and what happens is when you talk about again bumping the head is there's a number that uh, principals are sold to their border investors that we're going to originate right. at a at a fifteen percent discount and we're going to sell at a at, at, at a ten percent discount and realize a five percent yield, uh, that that is that is certainly doable. Yeah. But but all your paper has to look the same. Right. right. All your paper has to look the same within that. And there, you know, off, all too often there's a lot of cliffs within that portfolio to take a look at right price for right asset. Yep. Yep. So then it sounds like uh, the lessons learned from Innovate have helped you build your new company without question. And you're using your, your, I guess your passion for speaking and training and Mm -hmm. consulting for sure to, to put buyers and sellers together. Absolutely. To connect with more than a transaction. So for sure. That's a, well, I do too. Block finance. So it's true. Uh, so much, so much, so much is about that. It's the yeah. relationships. It is. Well, what's your outlook for the subprime market right now? And I mean, there's so much negative mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, media about mm-hmm. buy here, pay here right now with the compliance uh, controversies mm-hmm. with the CFPB, who apparently are all over this segment now. Yes. Um, more and more competition. What what would you like to share with your listeners about the, the future in your mind of mm-hmm. the subprime sure. buy here, pay here space? Sure. You know, the the subprime space, the the all, all too often B word is used often in terms of that bubble bursting. And yep. you know, I, I don't I don't see that happening in the markets in the in the near future. You would have thought it already had happened. But but when you take a look at when you take a look at returns and yields uh being you know, f- between five and seven percent on securitizations, and you're talking about the treasury bonds producing, uh, you know, a much less rate. Uh, you know, they can get five and eight times percent more. Wall mm-hmm. Street can get through 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 the through that capital deployed through the securitization market. When you talk about that, when you talk about what the buy here pay here dealers are getting, these guys are up against a tall cast task. There's no question that buy here, pay here dealers have to take compliance more serious. There is. That means they're going to have to change their own products. They got the, the consumers. Uh, you know, you know, be cons- lower the markup. You know, markups is that part perhaps, of it? Yeah. perhaps. You know, but if you take a look at it, there's such a clear line uh-huh. uh, to what I was saying earlier. Is when you when you that has trickle down effect. It all starts from the top, right? So as 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 the traditional buy here, pay here customer now uh, is bought on franchise lots and independent lots. That consumer credit. That would normally be a buy here, payer customers now, you know, has an opportunity to to get bought at at fourteen percent rate, where uh, that would be a traditional, you know, depending on the state you were in, the high twenties and things of that nature, and and uh, that consumer uh, has moved away. Buy here, payer dealers are are faced with a daunting uh, uh, task and a question to ask themselves: What do I do here? Do I do I move uh, and change my portfolio holding strategy and now be a retail mm-hmm. uh, finance company because now within the markets of being able to get that paper bought yep, retail, yep. Uh, do I do a hybrid model or do I hold? And and within that hold, 
Uh, I would say these dealers ha- certainly uh, have to be consistent within their uh, disclosures, consistent within uh, their sales process, and owners have to, at the end of the day, uh, understand at the bottom line how to how to uh, how, how make sure their sales folks are doing the right things for the right reasons. You know, one of the biggest challenges in the market is down payments. Dealers are faced with the challenge of getting down payments, and I'll tell you this. Down payments is the biggest opportunity when we talk about sales training, when I think about it just from a purely sales perspective, where dealers have an opportunity and a need to educate that and should align their comp structure with down payments. And the reason for that is when you have, uh, you just have to make a decision of what you want to build your portfolio in. When you, when you originate very lean down payments and very long terms and very high LTVs, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up oh, for, for obviously failure. defaults and obviously right. voluntary surrenders and things of that nature. And, right. and what you have to make certain you as a buyer and the buyers that I represent is to make certain you understand that commercial motive. The, the traditional aging of a portfolio seasoning in the market is traditionally a buyer requires three months of aging. When you have three months of aging on a 42-month term or a 48-month term or a 60-month term, that doesn't tell you if you have a good loan or not. You haven't hit any loss curves. Right. And so with that said, is, is understanding what those structures are. And I will tell you, no two buyers are the same. Some buyers take a look at collateral exclusively. Some buyers take a look at, uh, they have some models as it relates to what the originating term is and what the, the remaining term is. Uh, taking a look at it from what they have in, in the metal value as it relates to what's the collateral or the car worth. Uh, in terms of book value and what their advance is in the deal and take a look at those differences and say, do we have a prayer to collect that and, and produce the kind of yields that we want for our investors? And some finance companies take a look at the consumer. And I will tell you, I think it takes all three. And when, you, when, you, when you're taking a look at a portfolio to take a look at the underlying credit and the down payment structures, but I'll tell you what's interesting, every conference I've been to, every conversation I have, typically somebody's more passionate about one of the one three. leg of the tent pole than the other. They 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 think credit, yeah. collateral, and the consumer. That- it's 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 credit. It's it's collateral and the deal structure the themselves. Deal structure yeah, the yeah. You know they they think that you know uh, what's if I if I have the right ACV yep. then I got the right I got the right model. Yep. You know, and there's so much more yep. than that. Guy, you've got an incredible expertise and passion for. Uh, subprime auto. What what is your passion outside of business? Outside of business, uh, well, you know, uh, as I said, I have a, a wife and a, and a son, six and a half year old son. I'm proud to say, you know, we tried for five years to to have a child, and uh, through in vitro, and it was a miracle that we had him. Wow. So he's our little miracle guy, and we consider him that. <laughs> so, uh, and beyond that, I, I love have a passion for you know. Uh, to to I love the Lord and I love I love to ride the motorcycle my motorcycle okay. and I love to work out and things okay. of that nature All right. for sure. So you get uh, spiritually inspired when you're on your motorcycle. Oh man, or... I call it wind therapy for sure. Wind therapy, <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, for sure. Okay, yeah. What goes on in your head during you know, that therapy? I, th- I think about negotiating deals. <laughs> <laughs> no, with the Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure, for uh-huh. sure. You know, I just think that at the end of the day, what makes successful uh, of anything is 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 valuing human capital. Uh, you know, believing in servant leadership, and I think you know uh, all too often. I think John Maxwell, uh, he writes some great stuff. He, he believes in the law of connection. And I think you asked me, and, I, and, I, and I, you start, when someone asks you questions like this, you do reflect on what you think 
makes you successful and and what do i think makes bullbridge successful will have success and i really believe unless you to that point about the law of connection and really unless you understand the heart of a matter the law of connection yeah Maxwell, unless you understand the heart of a matter, yeah it's just it's such an incredible principle which is uh-huh. if you don't understand the heart of the matter then you know if if you don't have if you don't understand that then everything else doesn't make sense uh-huh. you know and and that's what I do now, and that's what I've always done, is really understanding when I talk about what's your motive of sale and mm-hmm. taking the time to understand the business model and taking mm-hmm. the time to understand mm-hmm. above and beyond the price. Mm-hmm. Aside from price, there's so much more to talk about, right? Aside from price, certainly there's a price that a seller needs. Certainly right. there's a price right. that a buyer will pay. That's pretty That's pretty easy. When you start talking about what what is what do you need to get this deal done and uh-huh. what are you looking for beyond the transaction okay. what are you looking for in yeah. that and uh you know and with that when you start talking about relationship based selling in today's world uh it's often a term used but rarely a term executed okay. and so we talk about relationship based selling is understanding not just the need of the sale but what is the recurring needs of the seller what is the recurring needs of the business model and if you can stay ahead of that well you're always relevant if you can stay ahead of that you're always connected mm-hmm. and that's what that's really inherently you know to put a heartfelt nature into a finance world that really is it understanding what is happening and mm-hmm. you know whether it's a deficiency sale whether it's a purchasing sale and really taking to heart the buyer uh like i said getting pregnant with an alien if you connect right deals with the wrong, if you connect, love that expression. Yeah, if you connect the wrong deal to the wrong buyer, it's going to yeah. have tr- lasting impact for right. all parties. Right, you know, right, and right. that's not the best thing for anybody. Right. What books are you reading right now? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I'm actually reading a Maxwell book, so that's probably why it's top on the top of my, which okay, is which the twenty, the, the twenty one laws, the twenty one irrefutable laws of leadership. I think is a great okay. book. Yeah, okay. I think it's a great book. Okay. Yeah. And, and the number one law is the law of connection. Is that Not right? the number one. I think the number one law for, if, uh, my, is the law of the lid, you know, uh, which, which I think is the so. The law of the lid. What does that mean? You can never excel beyond the, the lid of the leader unless, okay. unless you empower the people to, oh, okay. to, to have thought leadership and empower the people to take ownership of the vision. And, you know, uh, you know, in that understanding, understanding that element of a vision one of the biggest things when you talk about when you, when you talk about how do I make innovate successful and what do I tend to do to mm-hmm. make Bullbridge successful is when you start connecting with any principal business owner about understanding what their vision is mm-hmm. and what they want to accomplish above and beyond the mm-hmm. transaction, well, that's when you get relationship. But that's when you start can consult them and give them the ability mm-hmm. to connect to a source. And mm-hmm. what that's effectively when you talk about a capital source is like if you want access continued access to the well, then you got to have a f- effectively mm-hmm. consistent consistent uh, disciplines to get to that well. And that's what I do well. I, I have the ability to to communicate to both sides of the party and making certain at the end of the day that that the seller or the buyer is heard. You know, and so I'm so passionate <laughs> about stuff like that when I talk about the highest form of under you know the highest form of communication is to be highly understood. And so I focus on that is to make certain that in the deal from the purchase and sale agreement that you understand the legal obligations that you're getting under. When you're looking beyond the transaction, you look beyond how can we evolve this business model. And in that product development always always takes flight. In that uh, if you're intuitive, but you know in this space, in this space at times Leaders have, uh, and I say this uh, not as a condemnation, but leaders have, uh, because they're highly intelligent, have pre- predetermined in, uh, where that answer is going to come from. Mm-hmm. And when you ask about 
what the challenges I've had is sometimes when you're talking through the differences in terms of product development or the answers in a deal, what makes a good deal mm-hmm. is sometimes they went into a deal with being burned from the past in certain deals. And, you know, they're not even willing to look at the, you know, the, to redline and walk through a contract about what's actually happened in the deal because they've been burned. And when you start talking about, uh, you know, reps and warrants, you start talking about buybacks, no two of them are the same. No contract is the same. Mm-hmm. No elements of the contract are the same. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what I, what I really focus on is making certain they understand what their obligations are and what their commitments are to get back to, to the world. And I will tell you, there's a tremendous need for that. And there's a tremendous receptivity to that. I, I've, I've talked about that at every show. I've spoken at, uh, at all the major conference shows and to continue to intend to, and, mm-hmm. and, and continue to intend to, to continue to do that with DBA and things of that nature. So, well, Guy, this is a wonderful way to conclude our, our uh, conversation this afternoon here in Vegas because, as I said, when we kicked it off, uh, we love to connect the dots. Sure. And we believe in more than a transaction. And frankly, it sounds like both in your personal life and your professional life, mm. the importance of relationships, of human capital, mm-hmm. servant leadership, mm-hmm. understanding Celebrating thought leadership. That, yes. That's frankly why we founded the Capital Club radio program. We're Fantastic. celebrating thought leaders like you who put together deals. You put mm. together transactions and you're successful at it because it's not just a transaction. Mm. It's more than a transaction. For it's a sure. long-term relationship, Absolutely. long-term servant leadership that you're providing to your customers. Absolutely. And I guess the ultimate irony here is we're in Las Vegas, the city of transactions. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and right. we're... we're we're realizing that really the importance and the kind of the drive behind transactions is really hu- the human capital, For sure. the human connection yes. that we're here celebrating today with with Guy O'Brien, the thank CEO you. of uh, of Bull Bridge uh, Capital. And thank, thank you very much for your time. Thank today. you, Michael, for the opportunity. Appreciate okay. your time. Thank you.